Welcome to another edition of Hillcrest Podcast, Our Stories. I'm Pastor Brad Bergfalk. I'm on the staff here at Hillcrest, and I am delighted this afternoon to be with David Brimer. David is an artist and a songwriter and a worship leader, and we are delighted to have you with us, Dave. And I'm going to start out the questions uh, by asking you this. You are the son of Daniel Brimer, who most of the people in our church know because they see him on a, a pretty much weekly basis. Um, what is it like, or what was it like growing up in uh, a musician's family? <laughs> well, um, it was uh, a great experience, a unique experience. Uh, our, our home was full of music, that's for sure. Um, one thing I appreciate is my dad in, intentionally involved us in what he was doing pretty early on. Um, I think the first time I ever played drums with him in a church context was when I was five. So he brought you on the road with him and you played in somewhere along the way. Mm -hmm. He wasn't traveling that much when we were, when I was that age, it was more just the local church. And I couldn't reach the kick drum pedal, but I tried to do the drums, you know? Um, But yeah, he would involve us as well as be real supportive in our own musical endeavor. So like he would recognize when one of us liked a certain instrument and he'd both he and my mom, they'd make room for us to have lessons or either he would teach us. And so it was great. It was, um, it was positive. He made music fun and it was, it wasn't just academic. It was like, we learned how to play as a band and a team. And that has really impacted me now as an adult musician, both being able to songwrite, you know, looking up to him a lot, but then finding my own voice, um, yeah. What was it, um, what was it like, or when, I should actually ask, when did you know that, um, you had a special, uh, giftedness or capacity to, to write music and to do this for a living? Man, um, I tried to write my first song when I was about 15 and it was horrible. <laughs> and there was a guy that I looked up to. He was like the cool guy. He would play piano with my dad sometimes. And he was, you know, he was really edgy and cool. And I would always want to be like him. And I never liked the songs I wrote. Now, honestly, I didn't like my own voice either. I hated singing. I say hated singing, but I just didn't like it. And so I would, I was a very supportive role to my dad and people I was around. And then I would say maybe like, well, I came back to Kansas City at age 24, 25, and jumped into the House of Prayer with Mike Bickle. So I was on full-time staff doing lots of, you know, sets around the clock. And so I kind of exercised my singing muscles and leading muscles in that phase. But then it was after that that I realized that I had a voice in songwriting and something to say, and that it was actually very per I could be personal. It wasn't, I wasn't leading someone else's songs. I could express my own walk with God, my own story in the framework of a song. And it was actually really liberating, scary too, because you have to be vulnerable to some degree and depending on the type of song, but it was also very rewarding too, to write a song and it be, um, an avenue for someone else to connect with Jesus. So that was awesome. Tell me about your songwriting process. Do you, do you wake up in the middle of the night and write lyrics or do you come up with the, uh, the tune first? How does Great how does question. It uh, it varies, honestly. Um, 
I don't, I don't really have like dreams about songs necessarily. Um, what I will do is I will, it's kind of, it's funny. What it feels like to me is like something on the stove that just, I don't realize it's cooking, whether it's life circumstances or something I'm kind of processing throughout the day. And then one day I'll just have a, you know, for, for, you know, like an, a window in the afternoon and I'll just go sit down on the piano and it'll just kind of bubble out. So it could be the chords come first, um, melody, and then the words will often be kind of close behind in that. And pretty soon I'll kind of find, so to speak, the, the framework of the idea of the song. And then it'll, you know, I'll have the basic idea often one day, and then I'll go back to it, you know, whether it be the next day or even a week later. And sometimes it's been five, six years that I will finish a song and boom. So it's, you know, it's different actually. Have any of your song? Well, has any have any of your songs sort of gone big, where a well-known uh, worship leader or artist or church um, or worship team have picked up your song and and it's gotten wider distribution? I understand. Um, I'd say probably the two, at least that I know of, that have gone beyond, you know, far beyond um, me leading it was "Worthy of It All" and another song called "Beauty, Beauty." which in tr and now beauty beauty has really taken off in the in the country of brazil um a friend of mine notified me the other day or it wasn't the other day but it was i think it was last year but the 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 translation of that is lindo lindo s in brazil in portuguese the language you speak there and uh he was like, bro, I just saw this video of your song and I think it has like 250 million views. And I was like, 250 million views? But it it had it's a life of its own in that particular nation. And it's been like an anthem. And I would get messages from people in Brazil say, we're singing your songs. And even though it's not in English and, and then Worthy of It All has kind of traveled and had a life of its own with different artists singing it. It's surreal. It's It's an honor to do it. I love it. It is pretty crazy, though. So tell us uh, a little bit about your recent experience, or maybe it's not recent, but your experience in the Middle East and the impact that had on your life. Mm. It surprised me. Yeah, the Middle East surprised me. Um, I went first went in 2014, the fall of 2014, right around the time that um, ISIS had just kind of taken a lot of ground there, and there was a lot of unrest in the area, and just had an invitation to go and to serve and then also be a part of this 100-hour worship and prayer thing to support the local church there, which um, the local church is a lot smaller in northern Iraq um, and much more underground, so to speak. So we, I went there two weeks, and it that two weeks just, I'd say, changed the course or direction of my life in a significant way, especially looking back at it. At the time, it was... I didn't know what was happening, but my heart was being really knit to that part of the world. And four trips later, I meet the woman who is now my amazing wife, Sahar. And um, just bizarre. I mean, my mom would, she showed me journals of her praying for me while I was over there and all that craziness. And she was like, God, just lead David, you know, and she would even pray things about 
the woman I'd marry and all that kind of stuff. And she had an intuition. She did a mom's intuition. I had no idea that I would, and especially on that trip, I was not looking for a wife on that one. And I found a wife. <laughs> now, speaking of Sahar, um, you have been doing some recording with Sahar in the last few months during the whole COVID thing. The reason I know that is because you've been doing it here in the church. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what's going on with that? Yeah, yeah. So downstairs in one of the children's rooms, uh, well, first my wife got an invitation from an organization um, in the Middle East called, and I don't remember the name of the organization, but they wanted to do the blessing song. You guys know the blessing song, yeah? Um, and they wanted to do it and translate it into nine different Middle Eastern languages and have it sung um, by the various believers and artists in the different countries and pull it together and do a video. And so they reached out to my wife, you want to play classical guitar for this? And so she said, sure. So we went downstairs here at Hillcrest and recorded the guitar for that. And now that video is um, reaching and touching so many people in the greater Middle East. I mean, the languages from Arabic and Farsi and Hebrew and uh, Turkish and Armenian. It's really amazing. And it's, um, it's really special. And that was that happened here. So thank you to Hillcrest. Well, you're very yeah. welcome. And so, so when are uh, you and your wife going to um, produce your first? Uh, oh, that's a great question. Album together is that is that? <laughs> I don't works? know. It's kind of in the works. Yeah, we we've we've written a few songs together, and we love that. But we'll see one of these days soon. Yes. So, can you tell us a little bit about um, what your current journey of faith looks like? Sure. Um. I would say, um, well, it's cool to have, to now be married to a woman who did not grow up Christian at all, you know, obviously there in Iran, um, and who met Jesus a couple years before we met. And so her worldview, not only her faith experience, but her worldview, um, and then mine, it's really informed my own walk with the Lord in a really cool way. Um, can you can you uh, dive in a little bit? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's so everything's so fresh for her too because she um, she met the Lord through uh, you know a series of circumstances and had always been kind of open and curious to um, something beyond what she had known. She didn't grow up religious per se, but. But then her simple love for Jesus and just kind of like this childlike um, discovery of all these things that in one sense I had heard since I was a little kid. And um, now I'm kind of rediscovering in a whole new light with us together. And um, it's just, you know, it's funny because I see a lot of my contemporaries actually questioning their faith. A lot of walked away from the Lord's. There's deconstruction is kind of like a popular term these days. Um, and, you know, everyone has their own journey. And I don't at all disparage people's search. And even people that have walked away, they're still not outside of the reach of God's love or grace. And God could totally bring them back. You know, I totally have faith for that. I, had, I heard a good sermon about that recently. Oh, yeah? Yeah, about, yeah, you know, yeah. about a sheep. About a prodigal son, about yeah. a sheep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> Yeah, it was 
really, really recently. <laughs> um, so given, given that your wife's experience of faith and, and your sense of uh, freshness mm -hmm. because of that, um, um, what, how, how has it been for you in, in the midst of COVID? What's, what's happened in your life? What, what's God been showing you in, during this time of, of uh, unusual circumstances? Mm, I say two things, um, healing, um, and then, uh, slowing down and like rediscovering. So talk about healing. A healing. Yeah. So, um, my wife back in June, she, she got COVID, um, and she got in LA and we got out here and we didn't realize it. Um, and then it, you know, it, it hit her in a mild sort of way compared to what we've heard with others. But then four months of uh, just dealing with post-COVID symptoms in a pretty intense way that altered our lifestyle, altered uh, her diet, altered just pretty much everything. And um, we're praying for healing throughout the whole process. And just in the past week, um, she's had a massive breakthrough and um, is just able to enjoy life and food in a way that she couldn't. And uh, so we are really grateful and we are very in touch with God's desire to end this season of time of not only fear, but sickness, a worldwide pandemic to release his, the expression of his goodness to his church and to the unbelievers through the gift of healing and to bring in many lost sheep through that unmerited gift of healing. And I really think there's going to be a wave of that. Um, and we're both excited. And talk about, about the second thing. Yeah. So the other one about slowing down was just, you know, the whole world has kind of come to a halt in a lot of ways. And I think that rather than our one hope being everything getting back to normal, which in some ways we realize the necessity of that in terms of the economy. Um, and then just none of us wants to stay in our homes forever. I mean, we're not built for that. But I do think that um, there's something to be said for the Lord allowing his church to shut down in the way that it's been for a season mm -hmm. and to kind of take inventory and go like, what, what are we doing that didn't really matter? And what are we going to do from here that is more closely connected and led by the Spirit? And Lord, what are you saying to us? Yeah, I think that's a question that's, that every pastor and church leader is uh, wrestling with. For right sure. Now. I can imagine. Yeah. David, this has been a really um, wonderful conversation. Thank you for joy. joining us for oh, yeah. our, I think this is our third episode of um, Our Stories, a new podcast here at Hillcrest Church. And uh, if you've been listening to this podcast and you think you have a story to tell, we would love to talk to you. So feel free to reach out to us at the church by calling us, emailing us, however you need to. And uh, perhaps we'll get you in a future podcast. Thank you again, David, for You're joining welcome. us. You're welcome. It's my and, honor. And, Thank and, you, guys. Uh, glad you guys could join us on this podcast.